All right, here we go. We ready? I guess. Welcome to M Vibes Podcast. Home of good music, good libations, and good vibes. All right, guys, welcome back to M Vibes Podcast. We kind of sort of made it to season two with a few changes. Some of the most notable changes that you'll immediately pick up are our new hosts. And I do want to introduce to you um, Amanda. Hello. And Eric. Hello. And Amanda and Eric are going to be joining us um, as well as Ernest on the on the engineering side. Hello. Uh, we, we're really excited for the new project. As you can see, there's going to be a lot more people now to shoot the bull, so to speak. Um, uh, these guys are amazing. Once we kind of started, re, um, you know, trying to figure out what we wanted to do with the podcast, um, you know, they're funny. Their music knowledge is insanely extensive. So I think we're going to have a lot of good episodes. So welcome, guys. I'm really happy. I'm excited. Super thrilled. Very stoked. This is going to be amazing. You kind of hesitated there for a second. Mm, I mean, I'm still kind of thinking about it. I may call in sick tomorrow. Who knows? (laughs) Good thing we're not recording tomorrow. (laughs) Um, But, I mean, pretty much it's going to be similar format. Uh, You know, we're still going to be doing our drinking. We're still going to be talking in depth about music. Um, I did want to sort of mention that the first four episodes I wanted or we wanted everyone to sort of get to know the four of us a little more personally since, you know, it's our opinions for the most part that you're going to be listening to. The first four episodes that we're going to release are going to be sort of mini bio episodes. Um, each one of us is going to sort of get on the mic, uh, each one of those episodes to sort of discuss how music affects us, how we became so passionate about it and how why alcohol is also important to us. You know, some of us work in the industry, some of us is just something that's sort of a, a comfort food. Um, so again, expect all of that, expect a, a lot new episodes. Uh, but let's kick it off. The first episode is going to be Amanda. Uh, she's going to tell us all about who she is and how she became involved in both the music and the alcohol industry. Uh, but before we do that, let's talk about what we're drinking. So I am drinking a super fresh hop, drop, and roll from Noda Brewing. Um, definitely one of my favorite breweries that doesn't sign my paycheck here in Charlotte. Um <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, they've won all kinds of awards for this beer. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's Can't pr- go wrong. It's probably the freshest hopped up and rolled oh, ever. Oh, for had. sure, for yeah. sure. Uh, I'm drinking uh, Sweetwater's Oasis uh, Premium Hard Seltzer, uh, full of uh, vitamin C, electrolytes, and uh, antioxidants. So uh, <laughs> keeping it healthy. <laughs> Look at this health nut over here, like just doing that thing. What about you, Ernie? What are you doing? Over there. I am drinking a Pilot Brewing Dunkelbach, <clears throat> a 2019 bronze medal winner at Great American Beer Festival. I wonder who brewed that. <clears throat> I wonder who brewed that. I mean, I didn't have anything to do with that at all. <laughs> sure. Amanda yes, she did. It. She had everything to do with it. Amanda, Amanda, Amanda brewed it. It wasn't just me. It was a team effort. Oh, yeah. yeah. But you still effort. had everything to do with it. Well, I mean... I'm just trying to be there, humble for a second. There is once in my life. There is an I and an M-E, which says me and team. Both of those. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, that's not how we roll. You, you, you know that. Y'all know that. Um, yeah. I'm drinking a Guinness. It is worth saying that actually that really fresh hop, drop, and roll was mine. But <laughs> I stole his beer. <laughs> uh, but I love Guinness in a Murphy's glass. So this is, this oh. is amazing. I mean, you do what you do. Yeah. 
It's delicious. You know what I mean, we are in Tommy's pub. So. Oh yeah, yeah. They, that's one thing. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, we, we yeah we can't. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> we are. Uh, we got to give a shout out to Tommy's Pub and Jamie Starks and and Stacy Badger and and our our lovely Katie behind the bar just giving us a home for this to do this podcast. Like we we couldn't be more grateful. Yeah, we're we're we've switched obviously recording locations as well. We are recording at uh, Tommy's Pub. If you don't know about Tommy's Pub, it is one of the most amazing hidden gems in Charlotte. Uh, they've Absolutely. been around since the seventies. Uh, great music, great drinks, uh, great service, great people. Um, and we're also going to hold our vinyl nights here, uh, yeah. which we're going to resume as soon as we can. Um, so yeah, you, you can catch us at Tommy's. I mean, this is also kind of our watering hole, regardless. We're typically yeah. here no matter what. So. All right, and with that, Amanda, are you ready to do your... We're going to learn all about Amanda now. Well, I don't know all about Amanda, but we will... More than we want to. (sighs) That's another conversation. Anyway, so my name's Amanda. I grew up in the Charlotte area, Huntersville specifically. Um, So my history, my background in the beverage industry is I started out in food service and I did that for many, many, many years. And I segued that into being the person in charge of the beer purchases. And I used to be a diehard PBR drinker. <laughs> I mean, who wasn't? I mean, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, I started dipping my toes in the water, like different stuff like Stella and like Yingling when it first came to North Carolina. Um, Sierra Nevada, which I still drink. I worship at the church of Ken Grossman, um, and I always will. Sierra Nevada Pale Ale is always, will always be in my fridge. Um, Flying Dog, like Heavy Seas, that kind of stuff. Some of those breweries, most of them, I don't drink beer from anymore, but it was kind of a gateway drug for me. Um, and so I, I took a trip to Asheville maybe around 2011-ish and ended up in the basement bar of... Um, Thirsty Monk. And it was like a rainy Sunday. There was nobody else there. And I, st- I knew nothing about craft beer. And I just started picking the bartender's brain about like, hey, just tell, just tell me all of this stuff. Pour me the weirdest thing you have. He's like, are you ready for this? I'm like, sure. Just give it to me. And he poured me a um, wild strawberry lambic from Hansen. But you and, didn't ask for the haziest IPA they had? Uh, <laughs> Hush. <laughs> anyway, um, so I poured, I'd never had anything like this beer at all in my entire life. And he, he just pours it out. I'm like, take a sip of it. I'm like, oh my God, this tastes like, like gym socks and like earth. And I was like, and I love it. And it's so amazing. And so this guy just like goes on this tirade all about like wild yeast and open fermentation and the history of Belgian brewing. And he hands me the the Michael Jackson book, not Michael J. Jackson, not Michael Jackson. And he's like, if you want to learn more about this stuff, this is the guy, this is who you need to read. So I had to go get myself a copy of that book. It just totally changed my entire world. I was like, give me everything out of that cooler from this brewery right now. And he's like, you sure you want to pay this money? I'm like, yes, I don't care. Just give it to me. And it just was this total shift in everything at that point. Like I started writing a beer blog. I started ordering better beer for the restaurant, started doing pairing dinners, um, getting like super nerdy, got my certified beer server and then got my first job in the beer industry in sales, which was with 26 acres brewing. So I get shout out for them because 
they they took a chance on me when I knew nothing and then was able to segue that into a job brewing at Pilot Brewing, which I'm going on three years there. And I do like I do cellar work. I do brewery. I work behind the bar, I clean the bathrooms. I clean the, the, the draft lines, like everything. And they really gave me a great opportunity there. And like we've we've it's just been an amazing experience, a great journey. Um so I am, I'm still there. I'm still learning. I got my certified Cicerone in 2019. Um, kind of playing around with maybe going advanced at some point. I don't know. We'll see where it takes me. So that's kind of my background in the beverage industry. Now we'll talk about like my music nerd stuff. So my dad was a musician. He played in a lot of local bands around Charlotte. Mind Garden, The Orphanage. Um, his band opened for the Rascals. Like he did, it was like this kind of like this garage rock like 60s like grungy did they ever record anything even if it was just like I, on the, I, yeah i think there were at some point there were some eight tracks that i don't know if any if maybe my uncle has them or my mom might have them like i'll be worth looking up oh i would love to be able to find yeah. that we found photos which i, I know i yeah, sent, sent them one, yeah. yeah um but so so growing up in a household with my dad was such a music nerd it was like we always had something playing all the time Always. And my mom loved music too. Like not to the extent that my dad did, but like we always, it was like, we'd have everything playing from like Blondie to Emmylou Harris to the Beatles to like um, Rick Springfield to uh, Led Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix and, you know, George Harrison solo, uh, like everything. Like there was nothing that was off limits and it was always encouraged in our house to, for me and my siblings to explore a lot of music. My dad was a very talented musician. He could play guitar, piano, harmonica. That was lost on me. I'm not skilled. I was going to ask you, do you, do you play anything? No, I did take piano <laughs> lessons um, for a few years. I can still read sheet music, and I can plunk out a tune if I have to, but most of the musical talent went to my brother, which he's, he's one of those people. He can, like, look at an instrument and pick it up and learn how to play it with nothing. Um, but so my first track is a Beatles track because that was my dad's very favorite band. And that was something that was always instilled in us. Like every band that I listened to, my dad was always like, well, you can hear the Beatles influence. I'm like, dad, shut up. <laughs> like nobody poison was not influenced by the Beatles, like, but neither was public enemy. Yeah. Well, so I remember we got, they <laughs> we, <laughs> we always had we influenced by Elvis. We were always, <laughs> Elvis was a racist. Sorry, somebody's going to come at me for that one. But but I'm just quoting Public Enemy. Um, So we always had vinyl. And I remember we got this station wagon that had a cassette deck in the 80s. And so my dad had to go out and buy all the Beatles albums on cassette so we could listen to them in the car. So we would ride around in the car and he would play all these, you know, I mean, Abbey Road, Sgt. Pepper's, everything. And there was one moment in, in that station wagon that he had Sergeant Pepper in the cassette deck. And he was like, I think the whole family was in the car, but everybody else faded away in that moment, except for me and my dad. And he was like, Amanda, I need you to listen to this. And he played a day in the life. And he was like, I want you to hear the intro here. And I want you to hear what they were doing in the studio. And I want you to hear what George Martin was doing. And I want you to hear the beginning of, you know, John Lennon's lyrics were this 
ethereal, like otherworldly, nonsensical, like all like, ah, and then it just stops and it goes into this. He's like, listen, listen right here. You need to stop because it turns into a hurricane, a cyclone. And that cyclone, it turns into a swarm of bees and then it stops. And then you have Paul and Paul was writing these very like mundane, like got up, got my cup of coffee, smoked my cigarette, went to work, rode the bus. I was late and and he's just like rushing, rushing, rushing. And it's so the, the, the duality of their personalities between John and Paul was what was exemplified in this, this track. And then you get to the end of where Paul was doing his normal dude stuff. And then all of a sudden John comes back in with his psychedelica and he's just like, ah, and then the pianos and the horn section and the drums and Ringo actually played really good drums on this track, which is kind of rare because, you know, <laughs> we can hate on Ringo, but on this, this track, he, he nailed it. So we got to hear a little bit of that. Awesome. Seconds flat. I'm away 
out of smoke And somebody spoke and I went into a dream I'll tell you this. I don't think I'd ever paid that close attention to that song, much less would have ever thought of the analogies of the bees and the tornado. And that is like a flawless description of what that fever dream of a song is. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that, 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 that's why this was my number one track, because my dad talking about that composition in those terms mm-hmm completely changed how I listened to music forever. Oh, yeah, there's this. <laughs> oh. Any other way? Um, because, I, I mean, I was like, a, I was just a little kid. <laughs> and this probably is what my brain sounded like. This is disturbing. Like. <laughs> I, know, I, yeah. I forgot about all this. Yeah. Yeah, because they faded out of yeah. that. And that just came back and just like, yeah, we're still here. Um, but so now, like, I listen when I when I first get an album, I listen to it as an, in its entirety without breaking down everything, and then I give it a second listen and I pick apart. Like, here's the bassline, here's the drums, here's the guitar, here's the keyboard, here's the vocal, here's the backup singers, here's the percussion or whatever else is going on on that. I I break it apart in my brain based on how my dad taught me to listen to music because of that particular song. And so it, it just changed everything for me. So that's why it had to be my number one pick. Um, so my number two was, um, I, I kind of flip-flop on this one because I, I'm i going with the Ramones Warthog. It's on the Too Tough to Die album. I originally was going to go with Mama's Boy because it's the first track on the record, but Warthog was the one that really stuck in my brain, so I had to switch it. So when I was a little kid growing up in Huntersville, 
before the internet, um, we couldn't really just Google bands or I'd beg my mom, please take me to Eastland Mall so I can go to the record store and maybe dig through bins and hope that I find a record I like. And I was listening to a lot of hair metal. Was it music land up here? I, oh, shit. I don't know. I think it was Camelot. Camelot music. Hair yeah, I think it was Camelot. Camelot. Um, Southern Texas, we had music land. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I don't think we had music land here. We didn't have Sam Ash. We had we had Camelot. Um, so I was listening to a lot of hair metal because I was a you know, a 10 year old in a small town. I was, but I was listening to, you know, Poison Bon Jovi, yeah. but I was also listening to Duran Duran and you know, whatever, whatever was on that. We didn't even have MTV in my household. Ooh. So I was very limited in my music discovery. So I really <laughs> had to dig deep. That, yeah, that would hurt, hurt Eric. <laughs> yeah, that was, it was painful. I had this really awesome aunt who was at the time was like super cool. She had an apartment in Charlotte and she had MTV. So she would record. VHS, like she just pop it in and hit record on MTV, and like I get like four hours worth of whatever, and she would bring them to me. So that's the only way I had access to MTV. So sometimes it would be really cool stuff, and sometimes it'd be Debbie Gibson. You, you just didn't hey, know. Hey, 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 <laughs> I, I, hey, own, hey. I own that album, okay? I, I mean, I got Electric Youth on vinyl. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> I, I, yeah, that's what I'm saying yeah. too. So I was really into hair metal. And I would always go to the Huntersville Public Library. <laughs> and they would always have really great hair metal records. So I'd flip through and I'd check them out and take them home. And I was flipping through the bins one day and I see the Ramones, Too Tough to Die. And I was like, oh, these guys have long hair and they're wearing leather jackets. They must be a metal band. They sound like they might be cool. So I check this record out, I take it home, I put it on a plate, like, it is in its entirety. And then Warthog, like, I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, I can't even, like, handle my little 10-year-old brain, because I think that record came out in, like, 84. It was one of the letter ones, yeah. And I, yeah, and, and I think I might have discovered this, like, 85, 86, so it wasn't brand new, but I was very, very young and had no idea what punk rock was any of that and it totally changed my entire world and I, there are a lot of my friends that have heard this story a million times i'm sorry but i'm just gonna tell it again um and i think that was a dd vocal was on that one not joey and this album the ramones went a little bit harder is before that their their original premise was they wanted to be a 60s surf rock garage band very melodic yeah and that wasn't really white what came out it was they just did what they could do with what the skill set they had and so this song and it sounds more in retrospect listening to it it sounds more british punk rock and it sounds like they were almost like Dee was almost imitating a british accent hmm. on the vocal to the song so we'll just um play a little bit of that so you can
I think great. Yeah, I mean, and it was like because of that particular. Because I'm, I'm not like one of those people that that like dies on the hill with the Ramones. Like, yeah, I'm not going to Hot Topic and buy my Ramones lunchbox. <laughs> I'm not doing. Hey, like, but that that song in particular was just a, a game changer for me. So, well, and at, you know, like six months later, I'm like, oh, I'm going to listen to Dead Kennedys, right. and like, <laughs> like well, it just changed everything. But like you said, it's so weird because I think you know, like if you had heard. You're more the Ramones, like in the '70s and early '80s. They, like you said, they sounded completely different. Right, you. right, so right. Almost, it was almost like a, like a bridge between almost more melodic, original, puggle pump, punk, and like almost verging onto hardcoreish type stuff. Right. Yep, yep. And they, you can hear a little bit more of a metal influence, right. with them. And I think that that's why it resonated with me because I was listening to a lot of metal at that right. point in my life. You know, little little ten year old Amanda running around with the Metallica T shirt, like yeah. yeah. If, if you would have found Road to Ruin, you may have been not been a fan. Well, of that could have been a completely yeah, different, yeah, yeah experience. Well, but here's here's a weird, uh, you know, a weird comparison. So, like my daughter, it's identifies as punk, and she just turned eighteen. But since she was fourteen, she did. And one day, she came to me and like very oddly told me like that. I don't, I don't get the Ramones. I don't, I don't, I don't like them. Mm. But she listens to punk. I mean, that's, I mean, she loves punk in general. And, and her way was like a weird way of apologizing that she did not like the remote. I was like, it's okay. <laughs> oh, like, that's so cute that she felt like she needed to like, apologize. Yeah. It's like, does that still make me? Oh, she didn't ask that. But yeah, yeah. But yeah. Because yeah, I think the remotes originally were very different. That, they were, they, they were right. a pop band. Right. Exactly. And I'm not, I'm not saying that in a negative sense at all. That's because they did not, I mean, there was not, punk rock when they started doing what they were doing and that it, it just kind of right. evolved into that and they were kind of pigeonholed into that category mm-hmm. that that was never their intent as a band yeah, my, my non-english speaking mom loves 50 30 and 30 and i want to be your boyfriend because <laughs> she no know what 50 30 no, and 30 no, is no, no, but they sound great it doesn't sound because she knows what punk is through me because yeah. there's punk in mexico yeah yeah but she's like that's not punk so that's yeah, it is. Uh, but it, yeah. it, it, I mean, they were they were like the the grandfathers of pop right. punk, and yeah. you know that's kind of absolutely. I mean, them and like maybe the boss, the Buzzcocks, mm-hmm. who definitely yes. were like the the two first pop punk bands. I've heard a lot of people say the Buzzcocks are. I love they the have Buzzcocks. no idea why they're called punk, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the, and, well, well, and that's um, why we have Green Day, right? <laughs> Thanks a lot for that. Oh, yeah. Never mind. See, whatever. I mean, I don't like them, but they yeah, did yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, they mean a lot to a lot of people. Yeah. So we'll just if you know if they make you happy, that's fantastic. That's right. Um. Right. So we're gonna move. We're gonna. My track three, we're going to regress back even before my first two tracks because I was a ripe old age of maybe four when I first heard this song. Um, and I remember specifically we were at the Long Creek Fish Camp as for family dinner, and they had a jukebox that actually had real records. So you put your one quarter in. You get four plays for a quarter, and it would. They had the little arm that would drop the record over, and my aunt eighty, and I would. You know, she's like, "Hey, Amanda, let's go up to the jukebox and play a song," and we go up there, and we're trying to pick out our 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 four plays for our quarter, and she's like, "Have you ever heard Queen?" And I was like, 
no. She's like, oh, you need to hear their new song. And so we dropped the quarter in. Another one bites the dust comes on. And that John Deacon bass line, that dum, 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 And I was like, oh. And I didn't even know why I liked it. I didn't know what the hell that song was about. I knew nothing. I just, I just felt moved. And, like, my aunt grabbed both of my hands, and we were just standing there dancing in front of the jukebox. Like, just just having the best time ever. And just the whole family was sitting there eating their catfish and their fried flounder and their their tartar sauce and their their hush puppies. And Aunt Adie and I are just, like, just kicking up a rug, at, like, in the middle of this restaurant. Like, nobody was dancing like nobody was watching. And I, like, and I didn't even learn till very recently that John Deacon completely wrote that entire song. I didn't know that either. Oh, yeah, yeah. I and I, I would have thought that, like, I mean, obviously his bass line is signature. And that's what makes this song. But any of Freddie Mercury's vocals, no matter what, he could, he could sing anything. And it sounds just like the best thing. I remember, like, when he passed away, and I think I was in 10th grade like maybe 15 years old and going to school and, and this girl, Melanie, just, I, I walked onto campus and she was just bawling. And I asked my friend Greg, I was like, why is Melanie crying? And he's like, well, we just found out Freddie Mercury died. And I was like, ah! and so the three of us are just standing there and like right in front of the cafeteria, just sobbing at like eight 30 in the morning before first period. It was like such a pivotal moment, but that that song and fucking Aunt Haiti, man, introducing me to Queen. Like you've never heard this before, you gotta hear this. And it just was everything. We we gotta we gotta come on, Ernest. Just just cue that up right now. <laughs>
All right. So that's my top three, which was very hard to narrow all that down because I am such a music nerd. Can't <laughs> I, I, I can't say I'm an audiophile because I can't afford to be one, but it's just one of those things that's always resonated it right in my gut, like in my core, my entire life it was extremely hard. So I have to put out some uh, honorable mentions here because, and the only reason that these artists are honorable mentions is because I could not narrow down one particular track by any of these artists yeah. that, so number one, David, motherfucking Bowie. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I I've been affected by celebrity deaths in the past, but not like this one. Um, not anybody like because I'm like I don't know this person. I'm not gonna cry over it. When when Bowie died, I could not stop crying for three days. I mean, everything about everything he ever did just was just. I mean, he was part of my life, my entire life. And so his loss, I felt personally. Um, so David Bowie and then Elvis Costello. Oh, I mean, yeah. I got the Elvis Costello tattoo. I mean, it's in my skin. It's attached to my body. That man, like I first discovered his record out of my Uncle John's record collection. Um, it was... Um, um, Armed Forces. And I think I just really got it because I was like, oh, elephants are on the cover. It's cool. I like elephants. And I would just play it over and over and over again. And like every single thing he's ever done ever since, like, it's just amazing. And I know the cure is disintegration. I, I, I know it's stereotypical. I don't care what you think. We I love young. that record. We were young. I, this is a brilliant, it's a brilliant record. And Joan Jett. Mm. Because and I know she, there were many other women who were doing this before her, and she did a lot of covers and all that. And I know that, but she was the first woman that I remember seeing on television that was wearing black leather and just being like balls out rock and roll, just like just like doing it like, like she had the attitude, right? Not attitude, not yeah. being like I'm a girl in rock and roll. She's like I'm just being rock and roll, yeah. and that was such a huge influence on me. So I have to I had to mention those four artists and just make sure that they were they were recognized here on this platform. Um, um but that being said, like I am super excited to be part of this whole podcast. Like I think we've really got an amazing thing happening here. I uh, we really really great team. I'm so excited about all the things we have coming up in the future with you know, having maybe, you know, our vinyl night yep. and we're going to have so many different topics to talk about that aren't genre specific and having like kind of a tiny desk ish yeah. kind of session with like that. local bands and hopefully touring bands if they'll, if we can get them to do it. So. Yeah. As, as you can obviously hear, um, you know, we have a lot of plans. We have a lot of things coming up. We have a lot of, um, you know, ways to, we're going to try to expand to, you know, obviously the podcast is still going to be the main, you know, so the, the, the main thing, but we the do want to, potatoes. right. Well, just the meat, the potatoes is hopefully <laughs> going to be the other things, you know, a lot of the things that you said. So, yeah, I mean, expect, again, we're, we're trying to do a lot with this. We really, we really want to create a space that's all about music for people who love music and 
not a casual music listener, so to speak, right? People who are like really interested in some really in-depth conversations about the more obscure parts of, or, you know, aspects of, of music and musicianships and, and whatnot. So, you know, with that said, um, you ready to wrap it up on this one? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think I, I've, I got my job done. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I, I love the songs that you picked. So, Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, what next episode we're doing, Eric, and you're going to get to know a little bit more about Eric and all, right. all about that. Um, in the meantime, um, you know, find us on social media at Imbibes Podcast. Um, pretty much every platform, including all the uh, podcast platforms. Um, so, yeah, check it out and find us, and you'll hear from us soon. <laughs>